You're listening to Bull and Dave's Excellent Podcast, Chicago's Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bull and Dave Show or Facebook.com forward slash The Bull and Dave Show. Buckle up, bitches. It's about to get juicy. That song is called Falling Down by our friends Show Off. It's off their album, Midwest Side Story. Check it out. We'll put it to, uh, all the links in the notes of the show. Uh, you can follow them on Instagram, at Show Off Band. Uh, make sure you give them a listen. Give them a stream. Throw them a stream. Download a song. Support artists uh, that make art. And, uh, and, and yeah, you'll feel better about yourself when you do. I always I always think so. Uh, what a crazy week it's been. This is episode number 80, Bill and Dave's Excellent Podcast. Dave here. Uh, earlier this week, I uh, got to see um, some stand-up with a friend of mine from high school that uh, I haven't seen in, I don't know, 15, 20 years, which is pretty funny thing about guys, right? Like, you can not see somebody forever and then just pick up right where you left off. So that's a cool thing. It was cool to see. Shout out to Corn Dog. I know you're out there listening. Um, yeah, we got to see Shuli Agar, and uh, he did some stand-up. Shuli's from the Howard Stern Show. I don't think it's any secret. I'm a big fan of Stern, and really anybody who does a podcast like this has a debt of gratitude uh, owed to Stern and, and what he's done for this this type of format of entertainment it's kind of cool uh shuli very funny shuli agar was very funny uh pat tamasulo for from wgn was supporting him he did some stand-up and uh kevin callum uh was also there uh all those guys killed man at reggie's rock house downtown that's a very cool venue a different venue to see uh comedy what i wasn't used to but um but yeah, I mean, what a cool show! Cool to see those guys. Cool to see uh, Shuli, a guy that I, I've heard for a long time over the years, and super impressive, super impressive. And uh, that's what I love about Chicago is you can catch shows like that. So, all right, we'll go to the phones right now. We've got a very, um, I'm I'm excited about this. A very exciting guest because he's got uh, a new movie coming out uh, that I'm really excited about. We we've talked to a lot of people that are involved in movies, and, and this is our first uh, guy that's doing a documentary. Uh, we've got writer, producer, director Nathan Ives. He's on the phone. Welcome to the show, Nathan. How's it going? Uh, thanks so much. Really well, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I I know you're calling you're calling in, and uh, we're 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 looking forward to uh, to talking about this new documentary, which which. I, I haven't had a chance to see. I know it's been out uh, for you know, earlier earlier in October. It came out, um, but it's called Somewhere in the Middle, and I think uh, I think it's a really profound, uh, at least topic. And from the the trailer I've seen and what I've read about it, uh, everything sounds amazing. But um, yeah, it's called Somewhere in the Middle. And uh, we'll touch on it quick, uh, and I and I want to kind of get to know to, to get to know you a little bit more, Nathan. But um, 
without giving too much away, somewhere in the middle is about uh, it, it, it. It's he he interviews five different uh, artists that are working that maybe aren't household names, but are 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 making their 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 main way of making a living is by their by their art, whether it's um, music or acting or painting or uh, even a, a paper artist who's phenomenal, by the way. Um, so, so Nathan, maybe uh, uh, just a real quick little background on, on the film and what people can expect to get out of it. Uh, sure, of course. Um, yeah, exactly as you said, it's, it's the story of five working artists who are not household names, but who make a legitimate living through their art. And, um, you know, interviewed a, a painter, two musicians, an actor, and a sculptor, uh, Jeff Nishinaka, the paper sculptor, and is incredible. Um, and yeah, it was, you know, it's, it's, it's something that I've, um, I came off of a horror film recently, and while it was a, a good experience and fun, it was a pretty arduous shoot and uh, pretty long long film and um you know i needed something just to kind of clear my head and wanted to do a small sort of contained project and this this became that and um you know quickly the idea came from griffin house actually one of the musicians in the in the documentary and uh he did a song for another film i did a christmas film a few years ago and we were chatting one day and he was just kind of telling the story of um he was at the city uh, city winery in new york city a sold out show of 300 people you know and he's a he's a singer songwriter and um you know, great show, had fun. And then after the show, he was you know, talking to people and talking to his fans and so forth. And he said this happens a lot, but a couple comes up to him and says, you know, hey, you know, we just love your music and we just know you're going to make it one day. And, you know, Griffin's been doing it for 20 years. Um, he supports his family. He owns a house in Nashville. You know, it's, <laughs> I mean, and, you know, it, it, it got me thinking, you know, what what is success as an artist these days? And uh, so that's kind of where the, the idea stemmed from. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. Griffin House, by the way, well over 4 million listens on Spotify streams. I mean, I th- I would say that's pretty... But it is it is funny. You bring up a great point. And, and I think it's a, a pretty important film, especially in the, the times we're living where uh, you know, people are finding success through different medias, whether, you know, whether it's social media or like YouTube or, 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 or TikTok whatever this is a rave now and 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 success sometimes seems to be measured in 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 views and likes and there's a lot of people and and we've interviewed quite a few of them that that are doing stuff um they're, they're working and making a, a great living uh doing what they love um you know albeit maybe maybe it's not their passion the project itself maybe they're doing it for somebody else but but yeah what defines success i would think that you know home in nashville and selling out a 300 uh seat arena or, or a 300 seat venue that's pretty successful man yeah I, I would agree you know any any town griffin goes to you know he sells out 200 300 seats i mean to me that's a that's a that's no easy task <laughs> so so when you're when you're doing a, a documentary like this right you've got to find subjects to interview i i wonder like what's the pitch because i i could imagine it might almost come off maybe insulting to the artist like what like what do you mean i'm somewhere in the middle i think i'm pretty damn successful here what's going on yeah no luckily all five artists were pretty they they kind of got it i think they had been doing it long enough that they kind of were like yeah you know i'm not i'm not elton john i'm not the stones i'm not you know i'm not a world famous i'm not you know da vinci you know obviously history there but um you know i think they kind of got it i didn't get much pushback there and um they were all pretty i think they were into the project and the one thing i did i think that was important was i said look i said i won't make you sign a release form until the film is done and you've seen at least a rough cut 
of what it's like. And um, so I think that was that eased their concerns a little bit about sort of what the film would portray them as. And uh, so luckily, when I when I sent the, the rough cut to all of them, they all approved it right away. So. That's awesome. So, so, um, and, and, and I'm looking forward to get back to this film, but I just want to, just so, uh, our listeners have a little bit of a background on you and, and, uh, I mean, you've been, you've been in the film industry for, for quite some time and this is somewhat of a departure from, from what you, I, I could be wrong, but this looked like this was your first documentary. Am I wrong? Uh, no, you're correct. It is. This is. I've done narrative stuff. Um, I guess I directed my first feature in 2012, and I've done three others since. And uh, yeah, this is my first first documentary. Now, how how was the experience? I mean, I you know, I guess you know, there's there's point a camera, but I mean, to to a point, it's probably like night and day compared to you know what you've done before. Did you did you enjoy it, or was it more challenging than you maybe had anticipated it would be? Yeah, it's interesting. It, it it is. It's very different in many ways, and similar in others. I mean, basically, you know, when I and when I write, I you know come up with an idea and characters, and I write them all on index cards, and I put them out on my dining room table with my cup of Earl Grey tea, and I build a story and scenes and stuff like that. And with this, that that part was similar. I you know I shot these five interviews, so I had you know. 20 hours or something of footage and i went through it all and on index card wrote moments that i enjoyed or, or ideas and stuff like that and then i sat over my dining room table and and laid these index cards out and sort of built the story that way um you know so it's it's different in the sense that you are you know you're working with it in the constraints of what you have from your interviews so you know you're kind of constrained there whereas with narrative stuff you can really go anywhere you want um but aside from that similarity of building the story yeah completely different and um you know and, and I've, to say I, I probably enjoy the narrative stuff more it's a little more exciting it's bigger sets it's you know more people involved it's it's that kind of thing that said i would do another one of these in a heartbeat yeah, it almost feels like um, it, it may be something that kind of, did you have an aha moment? So, for instance, when you, you, were, you were talking about uh, the conversation you had with Griffin House, uh, was that kind of like, wow, yeah, this is something like, I think we can, I think there's something here, at least that's worthy of, of talking about. And, and more importantly, investing in, because, I mean, it's a documentary, but it's not like you're shooting it on a cell phone, right? There's a budget with these things, and you and you got to... You got to put together, bring together the cash and the right people to do it all. So, was there something where you're like, yeah, I, I, you get to a point where you're like, yeah, I feel like there's the people will want to see this for sure. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think you know, Griffin and I talked, and then the idea just couldn't wouldn't leave me alone. If if that makes sense, like you know, I'd be sitting at a traffic light, and I'd be thinking about it, or I'd be in the shower, and it would come into my head. And you know, after a while, I thought, you know, it's it wouldn't be terribly expensive. I think we have about uh, my wife and I funded it. It's about twenty five grand in the whole thing, and we did a, a co production with the Garrison, um, the Post House that I've worked with on other films, and uh, fantastic. And um, so we got about twenty five thousand dollars, and then you know, the co production with them, and. Uh, yeah, it just I it, I think it's one of those things. I thought you know, uh, it's something I want to do. I'm interested in. I think there's a market for it. I think there's people who either are working artists and who can watch it and go, oh my gosh, thank God I'm not alone. And for those who are you know interested in possibly making that choice of a career of being an artist of any sort, hopefully it's an inspiration or, ed or an education for them as well. And yeah, I think all those things combined, it was my interest in it as well as my sense that there might be a market for it 
kind of made me push push forward on it. Yeah, I think it's cool, especially so. So for, from my standpoint, and this is one of the things that, and I don't think I'm, I'm breaking down the any fourth walls here, but sometimes you get opportunities to interview people, and this is one that really jumped out. Because the, I thought the premise was great, right? So I've got a 19-year-old son who's a musician, and 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 I think just having something like this that you can point to and say, "Hey, look, y- you know, you don't have to be the Stones to be successful, right? And it's not a failure if you're not. Um, whether you're selling out 100-seat rooms or 500-seat rooms, I mean, the, you're making a living doing what you love. That's that's success, right? And uh, and sometimes I think that there's a generation of people coming up that that value that success more than the the the, the being famous, for lack of a better term, right? Like a a, a household name. I think uh, that, that this is an important film, and I and I I, I hope uh, I hope you're seeing a a, a lot of uh, a lot of feedback from it. I know it went out. Uh, you can get it on uh, on Amazon if I'm not uh, mistaken. Went out October fifteenth. I think the date was. Yeah, it's on Amazon and iTunes. It'll be on Vudu here shortly, and um, yeah, the, the feedback has been has been excellent. I must say, I've, I've been more than more than pleased with with the, the sales of the film as well as the feedback has been quite good. Yeah, so that's uh, and we'll put a link to it on the on the show for sure on the on the on the notes page and and, and that fun stuff. So um, the other thing is is I I don't know when you shot this. I, I'm always bad at that, right? So I, I always think, and I think just like the rest of the world, like. If uh, if it came out in October that you filmed it in uh, September, you know, uh, but <laughs> but I, I do I, I, I did uh, hear in another interview that you did uh, that you got two little ones. So was were you shooting while you had the two little ones? Because I'm sure that that was probably a challenge. Yeah, I, I was. Luckily, I have a very supportive wife. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I filmed it all this year. I think we I, we actually started in January, I think. And so we finished shooting uh, within a couple of months. The interviews were relatively quick. It was the editing and sort of story building that really took the time. And then, of course, the, the post-production with music and sound and that stuff. But um, but yeah, I have, two, I have a uh, two-and-a-half-year-old and a one-year-old. And, uh, you know, it's just – it's. Um, anyone with kids knows as you well know in and around changing diapers and you know doing all of your daddy duties and and husband duties it's it's tough to find time to do the art that you want to do but again i have a very supportive wife who's which makes a big difference and then i also have um you know the time to to sort of be with my family as well as, as do things like this sure sure i i love some sometimes you get some background uh uh, you know, you know when you when you get you get notes, and we do some digging around too. But there was a an interesting uh, sentence that was in uh, some of the research that we got that uh, I I thought if I I would be remiss if I didn't ask about this, right? So it says uh, yeah. Ives, who got to start writing films for the likes of Adam Sandler and Matthew Lillard. Uh, and then it goes into the into this film here. So I'm just curious as to how how do you go from you know. How do you go from, hey, I want to be a writer to being involved with a project that, you know, somebody like Adam Sandler, who is obviously Adam Sandler, or Matthew Lillard, who's been around forever? Is it just, yeah. did you sell a script that they were attached to, or how, how did that even come to be? Yeah, I'll say this. The the Adam Sandler thing was a mistake, and I, I pointed it out to that the person who did the article, but I guess they didn't remove it. So the Matt, the Matthew Lillard thing is correct. I, I wish I was writing for Adam Sandler in my early twenties. I was not. <laughs> um, but no, the yeah the the um, the Matthew Lillard thing came along. Uh, someone called Dish Dogs, and it was Matthew Lillard and Sean Astin and uh, Maitland Ward and uh, one other and. Um, 
you know, it, it was, we just, my writing partner and I sold the script and it was just, it was funny. I was in my early twenties and we sold the script and I think we got, I think we got 27 or $30,000 each for it back in 97. So, you know, I was in my early twenties. I was suddenly rich and I thought, this is, this is great. This is easy and fun and everything else. And it took me another 10 years to sell a script, sell another script. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was definitely was an experience and, you know, and, and you just, I kept, I kept plugging away at it and, and eventually, uh, eventually started directing. That's awesome. That's awesome. And the last, the last, I think, uh, that, that I saw anyway, um, that, at least, and I think this might have been the horror, the horror movie you were you were uh, alluding to uh, earlier was the basement, right? Um, yeah, that you wrote and directed, and, and it's probably pretty. I mean, just wearing that many hats on a on a film like that, and that one uh, was with Misha Barton, obviously, and uh, that was uh, yeah, a lot different film than what the one we're talking about today. So, you know, is that, is coming out of that? I mean, that's got to be a much longer process and more involved, I would think. Yeah, you know, I mean, this was a the somewhere in the middle was a crew of like three people, me and the director of photography and <laughs> and a PA, and you know, the basement had a hundred people on the set. Um, so yeah, very different from a just scope. In the basement, I was I was hired to write and direct with um, with Brian Conley, my my partner on that, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just a different very different animal um than, than something a small project you do on your own and uh, you know for different reasons i like i like both more or less um but uh, yeah definitely a different different project sure sure um so so going into the uh into this one somewhere in the middle it's called and again it's uh, you can get it on demand uh like we were saying itunes amazon want to go into just a couple of the characters here i know we talked about griffin house a little bit and your and your sure and your ties with him uh Jessica Nicole, which we know, he we probably would, you'd know her from the Good Doctor, um, but a number of other things as well. She's she's in a French, lot of different yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So uh, how how did you connect with her? Mm. I had done a film with her, um, the Christmas movie I did that Griffin wrote the song for. Um, she was in that, um, and that was I want to say 2016 or so. Um, and so she was in that, and we just really enjoyed working together. And the minute I kind of got the idea for this project, I started, you know, getting ideas for people. And she was right behind Griffin as far as people I wanted to get. And she was, you know, she was uh, nice enough to come on board. Sure, sure. She's a uh, she's phenomenal actress too. And oh. and and uh, and I know she. And I don't want to give away too much, but I, you know, I've from what I've read, some of the things she talks about in in the movie with uh, having uh, like a, a play uh, being in Bigfoot and having a small role and how things kind of took off from there uh, is is really interesting. And um, and yeah, still, you know, you could have somebody like that that's been in, in those projects. They're not a household name, but again, making a, a solid living doing what she loves. It's it's pretty amazing. Um, but, yeah. It's, it, okay. Oh, oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, it, it is. I'll, I'll tell it quickly. It is a great story from Jazika. You know, she was she had moved to New York. She was broke. She was stealing uh, money uh, change from her roommate's laundry jar to you know buy something off the ninety nine cent menu at Wendy's, and she was. She got a audition to do this. Uh, she went to an audition for Bigfoot the Musical, and it was a three-week run off Broadway. And she was just in the chorus, and she w- went and did this thing. And and from that, somebody 
in the audience saw her and she had one line and she got a call, you know, a month later and said, you know, I saw you in this. I think you'd be great for my friend's project. And she wound up getting a lead in this friend's project. And it, from that, she got an agent and a manager and it was, you know, she, her, her career really took off from there. Um, and she kind of joked, she was like, it would, it would have been very easy not to go to the Bigfoot, the musical audition. But, you know, I think it's an, an important point that, you know, sometimes you just, you just keep plugging away and the universe kind of looks out for you. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty amazing, and and I love the 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 versatility here you have in in your in in the different subjects, right? So you have Griffin House, who's a musician, who's who's I I would say is you know definitely more well known than an average musician. Um, don't you have another sure. musician in in here as well? That's uh, um, uh, with is it, uh, Matt Nathanson's guitarist or something like that. Yeah, so Aaron Tapp, who has been uh, he's been Matt Nathanson's guitarist for years, yeah, many many years. And um, uh, so I'm, I'm good friends with uh, with Matt's tour manager. And so when I was sort of poking around with ideas for this, I was talking to him over lunch one day, and he's like, "Oh man, Aaron's fantastic. You should interview him." And I said, "Great." So, so we did. And I, I I really love all the artists so much. And but Aaron really was one of my favorites. He's just such an interesting and and just fun guy, and just a really good interview. Yeah, and then um and then but then it kind of goes off into some and 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 I love this direction of, of just kind of a, an eclectic group of people, right? So you got actors and musicians. That's probably the first people you'd go to. But how in the world do you get tied in with? Uh, and I'm going to butcher his name, uh, Jeff Nishinaka, right? The Nishinaka. the Very close. yeah Nishinaka, the uh, paper artist. Because some of the clips in the trailer, it's like, oh my god, this guy is doing some amazing, amazing paper art. Holy cow. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, do yourself a favor and Google Jeff Nishinaka. It's kind of like it sounds. And uh, he's a paper sculptor, and he will blow your mind. Um, he's uh, So he's a friend of the director of photography who I've used on a couple of films who did this, uh, Ken Stipe, who did this film as well. And again, when I was sort of bouncing ideas around with my friends, he was like, boy, Jeff would be great if he'd do it. And, um, and Jeff was fantastic he was just a, just a lot of fun and his art is amazing and he's just an interesting really down-to-earth guy and um and, and interestingly so jeff signed on to the project we interviewed him and after the interview he said you know <clears throat> dan mccaw is a painter is a friend and he would he would be great he's a he's a pretty well-known impressionist and um you know if he'd do it he'd be a great interview and, and sure enough dan as well is just amazing yeah, that's that's a cool group. Now, I was uh, I I had heard that that I mean, there's five in the in the film, but you had actually interviewed eight, um, and then you wound up cutting it back. Now, it's always good to have extra footage and extra material to work through. Was it more of uh, just trying to keep within a narrative, or just keep? It, was it getting too crazy with with having eight? Um, yeah, I, that was kind of it. It was. It got a little hectic with eight, and I, I also just, I, as I sort of looked at my index cards and figured out the story I wanted to tell, I felt like these five told the story I wanted to tell the best. And the other three were great interviews as well. They just kind of went in different directions, and I felt for the story that I wanted to tell, these five were the best. Yeah, the, and it's funny too, like that you, that you bring that up, that having a story to tell and the importance of that. Now, as a filmmaker, and, and especially as a, with a as a writer with a writing background, uh, I think that sometimes, and I I love documentaries, and um, but sometimes, yeah, that that story gets lost, right? It gets kind of things go in different directions, and you're like, what did I just watch? Um, so, yeah. so, I mean, how how important was that when you were coming into this to make sure, like, hey, I want this to have have uh, you know, there's a story I want to tell here, and I want to try and uh, put this together to best tell that story. 
yeah, that was one thing I was. It's, I think it's important in any film, whether it's you know whether it's a documentary or whether it's a narrative film. But you know, what story are you trying to tell? What do you what do you want to leave the audience with? And and I knew kind of with this, I think as I mentioned earlier, that you know, I wanted to. Uh, tell a story that hopefully inspires people and, and educates people on what it really means to be a working artist who's not, you know, in the stratosphere of the Rolling Stones, people <laughs> like that. And, you know, and sort of what that life is like and, and maybe de- demystify it some. I think even with people who are not huge artists, I think the general public has this idea that, oh, gosh, they get to get up in the morning and have their coffee at 10 a.m. and, you know, go into the studio and do whatever art they do and, you know, go go to bed at night. What a great life! And it's not that there's not some of that, and it's not that it's not a great life. In many ways, it is. But there's also a lot of struggles, and it's a lot of business, and it's a lot of you know things that you really don't want to be doing. But it, besides your art, but it, but it's a necessary part of it. Very true. Very true. Now uh, you're producing this uh, film uh, through. You, you've got a production company called uh, Mule Films, correct? Um, and and I want to make sure we get the website out mulefilms.com uh, and you can yeah. kind of follow Nathan's projects there um, just curious on uh, on mule films like uh, what made you decide to start a production company you know I started it uh, back in 2011 I guess when I there's a the first film I directed it's not you it's me we also produced and just needed to start a company to you know to house the film and the LLC and, and, and do all that stuff. And, uh, so I started it then and, you know, it's, it's been, it's just been a, a good vehicle for me and, and sort of, um, in helping getting financing for other films, that kind of thing. It, it gives you a bit of, um, uh, legitimacy, I guess, when sure. you're going to investors to say, Hey, will you, will you invest in this, this film? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's a cool site too. You guys can go there, check out uh, the projects Nathan's got going and uh, somewhere in the middle is right there along with the basement, New York Christmas. Uh, it's not you, it's me. Um, all, all projects that, that uh, have been produced by Mule Films. And uh, I think that's, uh, I think that's awesome, man. To, you know, if you, if you ever take a step back and just look at like where you started and where you're at now, um, is it kind of mind blowing how much, how many things you've been involved with and how much content that you've put out there? Uh, you know, I mean, I think as, a, as an artist, you're always comparing yourself, unfortunately, to, to other people. And you look at somebody like Scorsese or, you know, any, any of these guys who are, you know, granted they're 30, 40 years older than I am, but, you know, just the amount of great work they've done. And you just think, uh, you know, it makes you just want to quit altogether. But no, I, I, you know, when I come back down to sort of reality, yeah, I'm certainly proud of the work I've done. I, I you know, there's just some films that I want to do that I, I think that one of the hardest things about being a director, um, is that I think if you, if you want to be a great writer, you can sit in a room by yourself for, or, you know, for years and years and years and really hone your craft and work on your craft. And all you really need is a, a pencil and a piece of paper or, you know, these days a computer, I guess. Uh, but as a director, it's, it's so hard to get a film off the ground. Um, and so hard to get hired to direct a good film. Uh, and it takes so many people and so much money that, you know, your chances to direct and really hone your craft are few and far between. You know, I, I feel very fortunate. I've had, you know, I've got, four uh, three narrative and one documentary under my belt but it's um you know i as, as a director there's i feel like i've got so far to go um you know i, I think I'm, I'm capable i think i'm a capable director um but am i a great director yet no and i, I think but to do that i'm going to need to do you know five six eight ten twelve more films to really get to the, the 
the peak of my abilities, if you will. But that's, you know, it's an expensive proposition. And it's a ton of work. Um, and not saying we'll try to do it, but that's, it's, yeah, it's, um, so yes, to answer your question, I, I'm certainly proud of what I've done. Um, but I just, I'm always looking ahead to what, what I hope I can do. Sure. Sure. Do you have, uh, who, who did you look up to when you, when you were like, you know what, I want to get into filmmaking or, 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 or writing or directing. Was there one person that, that you looked up to or, or one movie that was like, yeah, I want to do that. That's, that's, that's me. Yeah. I'm a, you know, my films have kind of been all over the place. So some have been my own projects and others have been ones I was hired to do. Um, so, you know, it's sort of scattered, but I think Richard Curtis is, I'm a huge Richard Curtis fan, you know, Full Weddings and a Funeral, Love Actually, um, you know, those, those films. I, I just, he, uh, that's the, that's the kind of film I want to make, um, you know, these sort of really heartwarming, but interesting and, and poignant films. And, um, you know, I, I just, that, that's kind of my goal. I'm also a huge, probably, you know, definitely my top five favorite films would be, uh, uh you know, uh, High Fidelity, John Cusack. Oh, yeah. Now 2001 or two, whatever it was. You know, that, that, I look at films like that, and I just go, uh, I just want to do that. That's a great Chicago tie. Thank you for that. We're always we're always yeah, trying yeah. to connect somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, yeah no. It's, uh, no. So, yeah, that, I'd say those two, really, that, that's the kind of film I, I look at and go, you know, I really want to do that. Sure. That's, you know, that's always something I, I find interesting. And another one here, and you don't have to answer this. I, I do like to ask just uh, not to put you on the spot, but I always find it interesting sure. because like you'd said, sometimes you're, you're paid to come in or, and write something for somebody else or direct something for somebody else. Have you ever passed on something and you wound up like, oh, damn, I should have taken that? <laughs> Fortunately, not. Luckily, luckily or unluckily, I'm not quite at that level where it's like I'm, I'm passing on things that became huge. Um, I've, I've definitely passed on on writing projects uh, in the past, and, and you know, felt okay about it. I'm, I'm fortunate that um, my wife and I have we own a business that's a it's a boat salvage business of all things, oh, which cool. you know, I've got employees and it kind of basically runs itself. I, I'm there for a few hours a day, and then the, the rest of my day I can spend writing. And my wife has a good job in healthcare, so luckily my filmmaking at least currently is not my primary source of income. Um, so when we, you know, when I do get a writing gig or something like that, you know, we can put an addition on the house or we can, you know, put it in the kids college fund. That's awesome. So, no, that's a yeah. great position to be in. And it gives you a little bit of a freedom to, if, if you wanted to pick and choose, if the timing isn't right or whatever, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's cool. Yeah. If it's not the project I want to do, and I, I'm I'm very like for about three years it was my my filmmaking was my sole source of income, and that was a tough three years. I, I was doing a lot of projects I really didn't want to do, but I had to pay the rent, and I just I'm a lot happier now just in general. Yeah, I know I know it's t- it, it it's tough, and I find it's tougher the older you get, right? Like. I remember I always wanted to be in radio and then it's like, you know, life happens. You're like, oh, uh, I, you know, I'm only going to make like $17,000 in radio and have to go all over the country <laughs> in a, what might be a dying industry. I don't know. Um, right. You know, but now you can do the podcast and have fun with it and do do what you want to do. So I, I can totally relate to that. And, 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 and actually, you know, you, you, can, uh, you can put your resources behind, you know, a project like this uh, somewhere in the middle and, 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 and and really take it to another level that maybe you couldn't have taken it to when that was your sole source source of income you know i think that's kind of cool yeah i think that's yeah, no, super cool so um so yeah so somewhere in the middle you can get it on amazon itunes and uh you said voodoo pretty soon 
Yeah, but it will be uh, next week, I think. I think next a week from tomorrow. Very cool. And you can follow Nathan uh, at Nathan Ives on Twitter and uh, definitely mute, uh, uh, www. I don't even know if we need to say that anymore. I may be showing my age, but yeah. <laughs> mulefilms.com for uh, for all things uh, for Nathan Ives and all the projects he's working on. But, yeah, somewhere in the middle, check it out. It's going to be good. I'm going to watch it this weekend, and uh, we're going to share uh, as much as we can and, and – uh, we'll put links out and stuff like that, and uh, yeah, I'm excited for you, man. Congratulations on on and on a great film. I mean, the the reviews I've read have been have been really good, and uh, yeah, man, congratulations and and good luck uh, going forward on it. Okay, so appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on. All right, Nathan, take it easy. All right, take care, man. Yep, bye. bye. All right, there you go. Nathan Ives, writer, producer, director. You can follow him on Twitter at Nathan Ives um, or go to his website, mulefilms.com. Again, we'll put that in the notes of the show so you can just scroll down, click the links, check it out. Uh, the documentary, again, is called Somewhere in the Middle, and it came out on Amazon uh, on October 15th. And, and again, man, what a cool premise. If you're out there creating art, whether it's music or you're painting or something like that, uh, in a world where everybody's trying to get uh, internet famous, it's possible to be successful and make a living doing what you love, making making a living, making the art that you love, which is kind of cool. And you got five examples here of people that you maybe you haven't heard of that are, are living a great life, doing the art, making the art, creating, and uh, getting paid for it. So let that be an example uh, for you, you know, if, if you're if you're struggling, you know, you don't have to be a Rolling Stone or a Beatle or, you know, in Metallica or something to be a successful uh, musician. And there's a lot of people out there making a great living, doing what they love. And um, yeah, yeah, it's a big world out there. So keep pushing your art, keep pushing your content. And um, yeah, it just goes to show. So check it out. Again, it's called Somewhere in the Middle. And uh, check it out on Amazon. And make sure you leave comments and reviews. All that stuff goes a long way when you're putting stuff out there online, whether it's a, a movie that's uh, uh, video on demand or even this podcast. You know, Just uh, take a second. Give us a review. Uh, we appreciate you listening. And one star two stars, whatever you think we deserve. Five stars would be great, uh, but I'm not pandering. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So check it out. Leave a comment. Subscribe. And um, always, as always, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to subscribe and rate us. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bull and Dave Show or Facebook.com forward slash The Bull and Dave Show.